Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that was harder to live. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Episode 42, Happy New Year to everybody out there, yes, the new year kicked off, and it is now 2016 in the USA, it has been 2016 for about four days now, and today is day number four of 2016, and it is your episode 42 of the Hoopers Log here on CLNS Radio, broadcasting through FanDuel Studios here. The phone number, if you'd like to call in, 323-642-1558 is the number. Now, before I get Andrew Norris on the line, there's one thing I want to say real quickly before we get to basket, before we get to basketball topics. First of all, what does New Year's Day generally conclude? Screw it. I'm going to put Andrew Norris on the line. Andrew, what's up, man? Yo, what's good, man? How's everything going? Dude, how did New Year's go for you, man? How was it? Oh, oh, it was awesome. You see, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I've probably said that on the show before, I'm not a big partier by any means. I'm a lazy, lazy person. When I'm not working, I am at home on my couch. Um, so what I did, I stayed home uh, with my wonderful woman, and I watched The Martian for the second time with Matt Damon in it, which is one of the best books, or one of the best movies I've ever seen. And then I bought the book, and now I'm obsessed with this book. So it turned into a whole whole thing for me, a whole new obsession. I have a new obsession every month. That's just kind of how my life goes. And this is this is my mo- most current one. And, man, thank you, New Year's, for showing me how great this is. <laughs> well, the one thing that was really pathetic about New Year's Day, and this is what I wanted to get to real quick before we talk NBA, uh, before we get to uh, – did you just see what Carmelo Anthony just said on, on – uh, BTR on excuse me on uh, what he said on uh, Bleacher Report. The Knicks Carmelo Anthony is needing 170 points to pass Larry Bird all time in scoring, and he says he's going to get that tomorrow. Okay, Carmelo. Okay, get off the champagne. New Year's Day was a couple of days ago. Chill out. You're not getting 170 points tomorrow. Okay, let's get back to my point. Uh, New Year's Day bass. New Year's Day everything. New Year's Day everything. I want you to hear these scores real quick as Frank Sinatra plays in the background. Uh, Stanford in the in the Rose Bowl, 45-16 over uh, number five Iowa, destroyed. Ohio State they beat my Notre Dame team, which again I'm only rooting for because of my girlfriend and her family. But that was probably the most competitive game on New Year's Day, and that was a blowout, 44 to 28. Ohio State over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. 
Oklahoma State got romped by Mississippi, 48 to 20. Tennessee destroyed Northwestern, 45 to 6. And Big Blue, obviously for there out there, Andrew, for you, Michigan destroyed Florida, 41-7. And Jim Harbaugh is walking into 2016 with a giant chip on his shoulder. That Michigan team might contend for a national title come next year. And I don't think anyone's shocked about it, especially with the way they performed in this one on New Year's Day. But New Year's Day football was atrocious. And then you go back to the college football playoff games the day before on New Year's Eve, and Alabama romped Michigan State 38 to nothing. And this game was not even close to that. It should have been a 70 to nothing ball game the way it was being played. Uh, Michigan State had negative nine yards rushing going into half. Uh, it was a dominating of, of performance by the Alabama team. And then also, you also have to factor in Clemson only played, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma only played one solid half of football. And Clemson decided to dominate in that one, too, as now Clemson and Alabama are heading into the national title on Monday, January 11th, a week from today. We'll preview that a week from today on our show. We'll probably even preview it on that Friday before. Who knows? We'll get to it. But this week, considering the NFL playoffs are now all set, and again, before we get to college, before we get to basketball, we got a lot of basketball news to get to, so we will get to it. But I just want to get to football real quick before we get to all that, and we let Kevin Hart ring in the new year um, for 2016. We'll let him get on it here in a second. Um, But what I wanted to say is we will preview kind of our predictions right now for who we think is going to go to the Super Bowl, um, considering the playoffs are now set. Um, And we only have about 11 more football games left in the books. I mean, we got four games coming up next week. The week after that, we got four more, two more with the AFC and NFC championship game. And then we have, well, if you count the Pro Bowl, I guess it's 12. But then you count the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. And last night, obviously, my Minnesota Vikings getting the victory over the Packers. I think there was some implications there behind the scenes that the Packers wanted to go play Washington, but that's neither here nor there. The Vikings have won the NFC North for the first time in seven or six years. My apologies. It's been a while. It's been a long time since they've finally done something. So it's cool to see that. And uh, to be honest, and this isn't just because of the heat of the moment, but this might be a long stretch of uh, success to come for the Minnesota Vikings, considering the team they have set up. And uh, the Packers did not – they just don't look very good right now at all. Who knows? The Packers should come back. They'll play better. But anyway, the point is, let's get to it. The the playoffs, we'll we'll preview each game for the rest of the week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. uh, We'll preview each game leading up to the weekend, but we'll just talk about our predictions now and who we have going through. I'm not going to give you who I I think wins in the wild card game, but you can pretty much figure it out. Who I have winning the Super Bowl, Andrew – I have it, Pittsburgh and Arizona in the Super Bowl. Look, if you watch these teams play, Arizona, if you watch the way they've been playing, they've been playing the best football as of late. Now, I know they just got romped by the Seahawks, but let's be honest, I don't think they really cared playing that game. But outside of that, the Arizona Cardinals have been playing off their rocker good. I mean, they have been playing amazing. And considering they didn't really put the best fourth against the Seahawks, they have a week off to get it all figured out if they need to fix anything. But then they go into the next week, and they – are either going to play a team in the uh, in the Seattle? Well, I wouldn't say they're not going to play Seattle, but they're either going to play one of three teams: either the Minnesota Vikings, the uh, the Green Bay Packers, or the Washington Redskins, depending upon what happens. And I think they're favored against all of those teams. Look, if the Minnesota Vikings play the Cardinals, they're going to beat them. If the Packers play them, they're going to beat them. If the Redskins play them, they're going to beat. Them. I got Arizona automatically walking into the NFC Championship game. 
and they're going to get it done. And then and then you have Carolina either playing. They're going to play, Carolina could play all teams except the Vikings. They could play uh, they could play the Seahawks, Packers, and uh, and uh, Redskins. I could see the Seahawks beating the Panthers. I could see Green Bay competing with the Panthers and the Redskins. They have no chance. I don't think the Redskins even win coming out of this weekend. But the point is, is Carolina could could have some trouble against Green Bay and Seattle. Uh, or yeah, they could have trouble against one of the two teams. But I think Arizona comes out of the, the North, or excuse me, the the NFC. And then the way the the way the Pittsburgh Steelers have been playing, look, the way the Patriots have been playing, the way the Broncos have been playing, both those teams do not look like top two seeds in the in the AFC. Look, if there wasn't for the month of December, if you took out the previous three months of the NFL season, September, October, November, and you just watched the month of December. You saw a Pittsburgh Steelers team that looked eerily similar to the years they won it in 05, uh, 2009. You saw a team that looks just scary dominant right now with their offense and with the way they're playing on defense, it's good enough to get it done. And they've been in this position before where they've been the sixth seed, got into the Super Bowl and won it all. Just ask Andrew. He was there 10 years ago in 2006 when they beat the Seattle Seahawks. Andrew was a little you know, eight-year-old kid back then. But uh, but he watched that Super Bowl, and he saw the Pittsburgh nine. get it done. Oh, he was nine years old. My bad. Uh, I was 15. So we were both babies. Uh, the point is, is we saw that game, and we saw the Steelers get it done as a sixth seed. They can do it again. I think it's going to be Bergen, Arizona, and I am leaning towards Arizona winning it all just because of the fact that they have more personnel than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Andrew, what do you got going into the Super Bowl prediction as of today? No, mine are pretty close to yours. I really, really like the Steelers in the AFC. You got Tom Baby and his uh, little hurt ankle, um, and the rest of his team looks, you know, half dead. You know, they're they're all out with real injuries. Um, Gronk has not, you know, been himself the second half of this season. He's finally been healthy for, you know, almost a whole year. But, he, you know, he's not dominating the game without those other guys. And nobody can. You can't blame the guy. Um and I do have Carolina. I don't think I don't think Arizona. I don't think anybody in the NFC. I don't think anybody in football is in Carolina's league right now. You know, and the hard part about picking the one or the two seed is, you know, they have that off week, and people don't realize, you know, in the middle of the season, an off week can help. But when you're prepping for playoffs, and you know, you're not gonna be tired during a playoff game because the adrenaline. None of those things that normally would work against you in the season are going to work against you because you have so much adrenaline and you're so invested in it that that week off can actually hurt. Um, the, the bye week, obviously you're going to take the bye week 100 times out of 100. You're never going to want to play that extra game in a one-game elimination setting. But you do want to stay hot. You do want to stay, you know, in that rhythm. And the second half of this season, uh, Cam Newton has been the best quarterback in the NFL, period. Yeah, Point blank. Absolutely. Nobody's been close. You know, it. He's he's put up just as many touchdowns. He's throwing the ball as good as anybody. He might not have the highest completion percentage, but they're also running a different playbook with a lot of high-risk plays. And for how many high-risk plays that team runs, you know, he does not have a lot of turnovers, comparatively speaking, of course. Um, right. Now, I think if Carolina, if Arizona has to walk into Carolina, they're going to get squashed. I think the only team in the NFC with a chance at Carolina is the Seahawks, and that's just because, you know, they have the experience, they have the mental makeup, they have everything it takes to win a championship, obviously. We saw it two years ago, and if it wasn't for that idiot Pete Carroll calling a uh, play, we would have seen it back-to-back years. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, speech mode 
Marshawn Lynch is uh, too much of a bad PR guy <laughs> to win a Super Bowl with, I guess. Um, so I, I have Carolina and I have Pittsburgh. Um, I, I don't know who I'll be rooting for. I With the NFL, I don't have, aside from my Lions, I don't have favorite teams. Uh, and yeah. it's I don't want to sound fair-weathered, um, but it does bounce around year to year. It's not necessarily who wins. It's really about personnel and who I like on the teams the most. Um, but I, I am gonna I am gonna go with Carolina winning this one. Uh, who knows? Antonio yeah. Brown might go for 600 yards, but uh, Cam Newton I think will prove to be too much for that Steelers defense. And then the Steelers secondary is a joke, man. Uh, and on top yeah. of that, Antonio Brown would have to go up against uh, Mr. Norman, the best corner in the game, uh, better, better yeah. than Revis, better than Sherman, best corner in the game. Um, and, and I think Carolina would win that one pretty easily, actually. You know, I think, honestly, and you bring up a good point, I honestly think that the NFC Championship game this year, if Arizona and Carolina play each other, look, if you're a pure football player, purist if you're a football purist i don't care if the broncos and patriots play one another again in the afc championship game honestly the afc this year is a wash outside of pittsburgh they're the only team that could actually win the championship out of that out of that conference because the patriots have just they are so injured and so out of their sorts that look at them the last couple of weeks in the nfl season they have looked awful and the broncos have had to bring in Peyton manning off the bench just to have a chance to be the number one team. that that afc is a joke this year and there's so many teams in the NFC that you could say could win a title this year. Look, if Green Bay gets on a run, they could win a title. Carolina, they can win the title. Arizona can win the title. The top two teams in the NFC, you can say, are locked and loaded to win a championship this year. Seattle could come out of nowhere and beat everybody. Um, the only two teams really in the, in the NFC that – I mean, and the Vikings could beat the Seahawks, but the Vikings, they have to get – I'm telling you, as a Vikings fan, look, we have had an unbelievable year. 11-5, and five, I am beyond happy – and excited, and I love where we are, but I'm going to be a realist. We have, I think we have a little bit overachieved. I think next year will be the year that really decides where we are as an organization. This year has been a giant stepping stone. This year the Vikings have kind of been like the Utah Jazz, that we predicted them to be a big-time stepping team. That's kind of what I see the Vikings. They're a pretender, big-time team, but a pretender. They're not there yet. I think they can beat the Seahawks, but I, I, I don't know about that game, to be honest with you, living out here in Seattle. I'm going to keep it quiet because I might get my ass kicked. Uh, I already got passed on the freeway this morning coming home, so I can, that's all you need to know. Uh, anyway, the point is is, uh, is I, think, I think the Vikings are out of spot, but they're not there yet. Uh, give, them, give them next year, and they should be better, but they're, they're almost there. Redskins aren't, but there's four teams in the, in the NFC that could win it all. And Pittsburgh is the only team in the AFC I could see actually winning the title. And if they don't make it past the first round, second round, or even the AFC championship game, I think it's whoever wins the NFC championship game will win the Super Bowl. And that could be our Super Bowl, really. I think if Arizona and Carolina play, if you're a football purist and you love the sport of football just at its best, watch that game because you're going to see two knockdown, drag them out defenses and one solidified offense in Arizona just go at it. It's going to be one of the best games we're ever going to see. And Cam Newton, the MVP of the league, no de- no debate, no doubt about it, uh, with no receiving core at all. You can't even name a guy on that receiving core outside of maybe Ted Ginn Jr., uh, Corey Smith. I mean, I know these guys because I've had them on my fantasy league, but if you don't know fantasy, they don't have anybody. They have nobody. Dude, uh, Ted Ginn Jr. caught more touchdown passes this year than the rest of his career combined. 
don't go. You know that right. that right there is a is a is a big point for Cam being the MVP. But but real quick, you yeah. you brought up the Peyton Manning thing. Uh, so you you guys uh, remember we had Dre and FP on last Tuesday, I believe it was, um, from Inside the Best. Well, there's a guy in the group Inside the Best. His name is Jeff. Um, he was in the big huge NFL tournament yesterday. And <laughs> this story hurts me to tell, but. He was in sixth place, uh, winning $5,000 going into that Broncos game where he had Brock Osweiler as his quarterback. First place was $175,000. He was down eight points or so, something close to that, 175000 He got up to third place with Brock Osweiler, which is a hundred or which is 50000 and he was a few points back. I mean, if Brock Osweiler would have had a good second half, he would have won the 175,000, but they took out Osweiler. They put in Peyton Manning. And he still won 4,000. Let's not like I don't, you know, I'm not feeling too sorry for him because he's still, you know, walking away with a good chunk of money. But this guy had the chance at 175,000 dollars, and the play of Brock Osweiler ripped it out of his hands. That's brutal. That is that is that is why gambling in America is one of the more popular things right there because of the adrenaline rush and the unknown. And yeah, it sucks. That is awful. But that is why right there, why gambling is so popular because we don't, we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. And with FanDuel, oh man, that's, that's brutal. That's brutal stuff to hear. Uh, but we have, we have been talking a lot of football. Let's get to, let's get to some basketball. Shall we? Or the Hooper's log. Let's get it going. All right. All right. All right. We're going to start off with college basketball, people. Yes, college basketball, week nine of the rankings have just come out, fresh off the press. They're here in my hand. Uh, Actually, I'm looking at an online site to really give me the the sites. But but the point is, is uh, I wanted to get to uh, college basketball first because there were a lot of great college basketball games over this New Year's Eve, New Year's weekend uh, for 2016, Villanova, Xavier, uh, conference play is in full effect now in college basketball. If you didn't know for the 2015-2016 college basketball season, we are here. Providence destroyed Butler on New Year's Eve, 81-73. It wasn't even that close. Providence getting the victory there. They're now 13-1 as of that game. Xavier, number 16, they uh, they got destroyed by number 16. Villanova, they were sixth ranked at that time. Uh, 0-1 to start the Big East, 95-64, a 31-point victory, blowout city. In that one, by far, a ton of Friday games to get to. Actually, there weren't. It wasn't Friday. It was Saturday games that we had to get to. But Friday, there were a couple of upsets on New Year's Day. Obviously, some hangover there. Stanford losing to Utah, or excuse me, Stanford beating Utah in overtime, uh, seventy to sixty-eight, uh, matching what Stanford did in the Rose Bowl, except uh, not quite dominating. But they got a victory there over a ranked opponent, big time there for Stanford in the Pac-12 to start Pac-12 play, and then Washington getting a double overtime victory over number 25, UCLA, possibly jumping their rankings in the Pac-12, starting off Pac-12 play there. Again, double overtime, 96-93 over UCLA. UW getting it done there. Uh, Saturday, uh, Michigan State, to their second game in the Big Ten, 69-61 over Minnesota, 14-1 Michigan State. Who knows where they're at in the rankings? We'll get to that in a moment. Kansas ranked number two in the country, destroying Baylor, a, a ranked game in the Big 12. The Big 12, you can make the case, is probably the best Regular season conference in college basketball, 102 to 74, destroying Baylor in that one. Just absolutely manhandling them, proving why they're the number two team and possibly even the number one team as we head into today. Iowa State, Oklahoma. This was game of the weekend in college basketball. No debate, no doubt about it. I learned 
and you saw it on my Twitter if you saw my Twitter, I learned why Iowa State was ranked top five in the nation or top ten in the nation before the season started. Look, this team has three legitimate guys if they get into the tournament where this team could be a Final Four team. Now, I know they lost to Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma's playing well right now. They're 12-0. and They got a couple of guys there on that team. They got a guy in Heels who's a potential draft pick in the NBA in the second round. They got a guy, uh, their, their, their point guard, and in, in, uh, I forget his name, but their point guard number 11, outstanding team in Oklahoma, outstanding team in Iowa State, though. They have this guy in Iowa State named Georges Yang. That guy was unbelievable. They had some, they have some great players on Iowa State, some great college players. Now, I don't know about pro prospects, but when it comes to playing the game of college basketball, they are unbelievable. And this was one of the best games I saw all weekend. Oklahoma getting the victory 87-83 to start off Big 12 play for them. It was, that, was, that was the best game of the weekend I've seen uh, of, of the year so far. When it comes to uh, where we're at right now in the college game, this was an unbelievable game. Maryland beating Northwestern 72-59. Virginia getting the win 77-66 over Notre Dame in the ACC, uh, getting their first victory there. Xavier beating Butler, avenging their loss earlier, 88-69, getting a dominating win there. Remy Abel had 21 points there for them. North Carolina getting the victory over Georgia Tech, 86-78. Kentucky destroying Ole Miss. Providence destroying St. John's, Miami, Iowa upset Purdue. Again, Iowa's probably jumping themselves into a big-time rank. 2-0 in the Big Ten as they beat Michigan State earlier, and now they beat Purdue. 2-0 in the Big Ten, 11-3. They might see themselves in the rankings as we announce them here in just a moment. Villanova getting a win over Creighton, SMU. West Virginia in a close one over Kansas State, 87-83, a classic there. Texas A&M, Cincinnati, South Carolina, other teams mentioned there getting the victories. And then last night on Sunday, Arizona beating Arizona State in their first Pac-12 matchup. Louisville getting a win. Utah, again, losing to California. Again, that fantastic freshman at California, getting the victory 71-58 for the uh, California Bears, 2-0 in Pac-12 play. Utah starting 0-2 in Pac-12 play. They're probably out of the rankings. And, again, UCLA losing as well, 85-78 in an upset. Washington State now 1-1 in Pac-12 play. The rankings, let's get to them. Kansas. Number one, Oklahoma number two, and guess who plays tonight? Both of them. You better tune into that one if you're a college basketball fan, if you're a fan in general of college sports. This is going to be an unbelievable matchup on a big Monday on ESPN, Kansas-Oklahoma. That's going to be the game of the night, obviously, uh, there in college basketball. Uh, Again, the game will be on – game of the night, obviously, on ESPN, 6 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, in Kansas, I'm telling you, Big 12 is going to be one of the biggest games, is one of the biggest conferences in all of college basketball this year. And if you're not tuned into that one, get ready and get going. Maryland ranked number three, Virginia four, Michigan State at five. They dropped to five from being number one the week before. North Carolina at number six, Arizona seven, Providence at eight. Wow, Providence dropped up there or bumped up there a lot. Kentucky at uh, number nine, Xavier number 10. Other notables, Duke dropped to 14. They're at the 14th spot there. Uh, Butler, Iowa dropped to number 19 after being unranked the week before, uh, and Dayton found a way to get into the top 25 at number 25. Andrew, is there anything you want to mention in the world of college basketball uh, before we uh, before we head on into the NBA? Because this was an unbelievable weekend in the world of college basketball. Well, I know uh, you and I want to get to Isaiah Whitehead, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that leave that up for a minute. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm gonna bash Michigan State. Uh, because I know a lot of people are going to take it as that because I'm a Wolverines fan. But, man, did they look bad. They they have without Valentine. They, against Minnesota, even, 
it, it, that eight-point game was really closer. It felt like a two-point game because that, with 20 seconds left, it was like 65-61. Um, that they haven't looked good. I think five might be high for them, but you can't drop a team too far after only losing one game. Right. Question, because I don't have it in front of me, and my computer is going to crap right now. Uh, did Michigan jump into the top 25? Uh, Michigan did not jump into the top 25, but they did get two votes. They got two votes. So, uh, no, they're not in. Well, that, that, that kind of shocks me. I'm disappointed because they've been playing awesome. Right. But uh, more conference wins will do it. Karis LeVert, uh, if that guy's not a lottery pick, that's a joke. Uh, but, you know, Duke Duke is, is underwhelming, except for the fact that they have Brandon Ingram, and, man, is that guy awesome. Uh, he could easily be the number two pick in the draft. Nobody's passing Ben Simmons. Don't fool yourself. I know a lot of people want to yeah. keep talking about Brandon Ingram and, and that he's got this shot to, to be the number one pick, but he doesn't. Ben Simmons is the number one pick yeah. regardless of who does what. Brandon Ingram could go out and drop 50 points three games in a row, and I'd still say Ben Simmons is number one. Ben Simmons is the biggest freak I've ever seen on a basketball court in my life. Um, but Duke is underwhelming. Right. I think that shows a little bit about Brandon Ingram. You know, the and, and LSU is underwhelming. I, I, you know, that's that's one thing. But one has Coach K, and one one plays at LSU. I mean, LSU hasn't been relevant in basketball since Shaq went there. Um, so, uh, I don't think the rankings are unfair. I think they're getting back into that where they're not going to move people because they think the media might react. Uh, when I think at the beginning of the year they did it based on what they really thought. Um, it, it's kind of when you watch the college football playoff committee, it, they really, it, at least from my point of view, it seems like they don't care what the media is going to say because they're putting in their final opinion right. and that's it. That's how I thought they were doing the rankings the first few weeks. It's what it felt like, at least, but this one doesn't seem like that. It seems like they played it safe. Um, like all, all the voters kind of just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, which kind of sucks because, you know, you, you should be ranked accordingly. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't matter at this point. Win your games, you'll get in. Win your games, you'll be in the top 25. And keep winning, you'll move up even higher. Well, here's the, here, here's the phone number. The FanDuel phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. Again, 323-642-1558 is the number. And the one thing I want to – and you said that you mentioned this, how the, how the college rankings – the guy, the committee makes their rankings and they just stick to it and let it go. Look, here's the one thing I want to make clear to the committee, if any of them are listening, which I know they're not because this is just a random podcast. But what I want to say is, look, if, if you're going to make rankings this year and you're in the committee, please do it right. Because if there's anything you need to learn from in college sports, just watch what happened on New Year's Day for college football. It was atrocious. We don't need to go into, into March on Selection Sunday – and have guys like uh, Greg Anthony or Charles Barkley or Kenny Smith or any of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dan, uh, Dick Vitale. We don't need to have any of these guys come out and complain about the eye test because guess what? The eye test needs to be followed in college basketball because if we don't follow our eye test watching some of these teams, we're not going to know. We're not going to know what's going to be a good matchup heading into uh, March Madness in the tournament. Look, I want to have an even healed. I want to have unbelievable basketball games every single game. And I want to see a matchup and be like, Ooh, that's a good matchup. Ooh, Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. That one's really hard. I want to be able to do that because if I can't do that, I'm going to know right off the bat. Okay. 
Kansas, obviously Kansas is going to be probably a number one seed at this point. Looking right now at this point, they look like they're going to be a number one seed or at least a number two seed. Look, one and two, maybe even three seeds. They don't have the best. They don't play the best of teams, so that's understandable. But when you get to that four, five, six ranking or that, that, that seed in, in the tourney, that's where I want to start seeing some unbelievable matchups. And I want the committee to recognize going into, going into March that they need to make their, their, uh, their matchups a lot better and a lot more eye conducive than just because of their just because of their 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 standings, just because of how they perform throughout the year. Or, you know what I mean? Like the teams who are like twenty and twelve on the bubble. I don't want them to pick bubble teams based upon, you know, I guess their performance. I want them to, but I also want them to pick them based upon the eye test because that's the last thing March Madness needs is a poor quality uh, event, which they won't. Everyone's gonna love it. Everyone's gonna think it's great. But I want to have each game super competitive outside of obviously the one through three seeds when they have, when they don't really play the best of teams outside of that, I really want those middle seeded games to be just almost unpredictable because watching what I saw on new year's day for college football. And I know it's dramatic because it's only one day. And and I know college basketball has multiple games on four straight days in the first weekend of college of the, of the tournament. I get it. I get that it's different, but at the same time, I don't want to watch, the first couple of days or even the first day of college basketball and see, you know, six, you know, 90 to 60 ball games. I don't want to see a 88 to, to 58 ball game each time a, a team plays just because, you know, for example, let's say a team like Iowa state goes out and doesn't play well in the, in the big 12 and they lose 10, 15 games this year and they barely make the tournament. Don't put them up against the really good, you know, terrible conference team don't put them up against the small conference team they're going to destroy the small conference team just because oh iowa state struggled and they didn't play so well they have three bona fide guys who could make all american squads right now bona fide they're not going to be nba players but they're bona fide but if you put them up against a small team who did well a la wichita state they would wreck them right now they would kill them and that's the kind of stuff I don't want to see the college basketball committee do, unlike what the college football committee did. Because, look, Iowa State played unbelievable – excuse me, Iowa played unbelievable this year in college football. But the eye test told everybody all year long, Iowa's horrible. Iowa would get wrecked by Michigan. They, they, they clearly got beat by Michigan State, but they also had, they also had kind of an extra they, – they, they didn't have a tough schedule. It just – I want – the college basketball committee to put everything into perspective because I'm telling you, man, if they don't find a way to have good matchups come, it could look like New Year's Day. And what happened in college football this weekend was atrocious. And it was really bad for the uh, the programming and the broadcasting and everything. Because every single game at halftime, except for maybe the Alamo Bowl, which isn't even a top six bowl, every game outside the Alamo Bowl was a joke past halftime it was horrible and I don't want this to be the case come March Madness because I don't want people to watch you know the first four six hours of March Madness on the first day and have them all be blowouts and unwatchable and just terrible television and then have everyone just turn it off and say I saw enough games today they were horrible why would I want to watch the other games what's 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 the promise going to be there so that's the one thing I just I I just hope that the committee can do go ahead Andrew yeah that I mean that's what I did I before the Alamo Bowl, I turned it off. I'm like, I'm done with this. This has been, you know, aside from my Michigan Wolverines taking it to Fountain, which is even a bad, bad game. Um, 
you know, there was there was nothing, man. There there's no excitement. There's I, I didn't even watch I didn't watch the Alamo Bowl. I didn't watch a minute of the Alamo Bowl. Even when I heard it was close, I just didn't even want to watch football anymore. Right. Um, I mean, it out. Iowa though, you had to put in the in the Rose Bowl. It's, the Rose Bowl is the, you know, one of the right. one of the representatives is going to be the Big Ten champion. Michigan State was the Big Ten champion there in the playoff. You go to the second place team. Right. Um, but you're right. The, the the eye test and just watching how little they were beating good teams by, um, showed that they weren't you know the fifth best team in the country or the sixth best team in the country. Uh, and and they've obviously got exposed even further. Um, now I don't I do think they are top top fifteen team, but I don't think they're top ten top eight team. I think that's where they're going to run into trouble against those teams because the gap between great teams and good teams, you know, top twenty five teams and top ten teams, is huge. I mean that's that's the difference between a three star right. recruit and a five star recruit. So. Um, and and it showed obviously. You know, Michigan State doesn't get the top recruits. They went in, they played Alabama, who Michigan State should have been in the playoffs. You can't argue otherwise. Yes. They they won the Big Ten. They lost one game. They beat Ohio State. Uh, you know, their right. one game they lost was not like they got blown out. It was to a bad team. It was to a bull team, but it was a bad a bad bull team, probably the worst bull team in Nebraska. Um but 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 they definitely had to be in there. It's just you know, there's there's no right or wrong way to do it, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, and that's where you're going to run into a problem because there's going to be people who said, well, well, why didn't Stanford make it? Look what they did to Iowa, and look what Alabama did to Michigan State. But going in, you know, that, that was the right matchup to have, Michigan State versus, versus Alabama. There, there was no way you could argue against it, in my opinion. And, and you know, it showed the difference between five-star and four-star recruits uh, when Alabama just – just took it to Michigan State, man. And I think Michigan State's a much better team than they showed. I think they are a top five team in the country. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be hard to come back from this one. And, and uh, the program took a real hit as far as getting those recruits. They are starting to get the big-time recruits. I mean, look how Malik McDowell played. He's the lone bright spot on a Michigan State team. Um, that's a five-star recruit. Uh, but, you know, you, you gotta. that's a big hit for that program to take. And, and Believe believe it, all big-time recruits were watching that game. All recruits who are getting recruited by Michigan State were watching that game. And now that's the last taste of this year. Until signing day, that, that team is going to have in their mouth of Michigan State. And, you know, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and I know looking back on it is easy to say, I wish we had this matchup and I wish we had this matchup. I think the college football playoff was set up perfectly. I, I just think this year, and I think this year – Michigan State got outmatched, but I honestly think that Alabama just came out and laid the wood. I think Alabama played an unbelievable game, and I think they're clearly more talented, but I think that was a great matchup. I just think Alabama was just better that day. I do. I think if Michigan State came out and played their best football, I think it would have been a better game, and I think it would have been a classic, but Alabama just came out and played their best football and just annihilated them, and you're going to get that when you get a month off in college football, and you get all, you know, everyone changes, their body grows. These are young kids, you know. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not a uh, they're not they're grown ass men, but they're not they're not guys that are, you know, twenty five, thirty years old where they're set in stone in their body. No, these are different players about a month later. It's like college basketball. A month from now, all these teams are gonna be different. I can guarantee you February fourth, it's gonna be much different than January fourth as of today. It will be, and that's just how it is in college sports. So when you see a team like Alabama who already has big time players get bigger, 
good luck. You're not going to compete. And and on top of it, if you come out and play your best game like Alabama did, it, especially when they're, they're cokers throwing the ball around the field like he was, it's scary. It is a scary, scary thing to watch. And you saw that on that game uh, in the college football playoff. Uh, but if you look back on it, like I was saying, if you would have made the decision, I would have made it Stanford, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. That would have been unbelievable. And have Iowa and Notre Dame duke it out. Look, Notre Dame is clearly hobbled from the season. They, they have a lot of guys who were hurt all year long. Just, just, just gone. Just not. Just the team just clearly got demoralized. And they were still an eighth-ranked team. And with that, or seventh-ranked team, whatever, whatever we want to make the case is. Um, but if you had Iowa and Notre Dame, I think that would have been a better game just from the standpoint of Notre Dame would have beat them, I think, but it would have been closer. And, I, and Ohio State and Stanford would have been an epic classic. I mean, McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott and Jarrett, uh, you know, that whole team is amazing. That whole team's amazing in, in Ohio State. They're so loaded. JT Barrett, excuse me, yeah. They are just loaded at Ohio State. Just like Michigan's loaded, that whole that whole organize, that whole thing is loaded. And so is Stanford. Stanford's loaded, too. Like, that would have just been an unbelievable Rose Bowl. But either way, the point is, uh, that's the circumstance. Let's move on to the NBA. Oh, one thing before we get to the NBA. One thing I want to say. What's up with this Isaiah Whitehead in the Big East? Look, this guy, I watched him play this weekend. The guy is outstanding. He is an outstanding player for, is it DePaul? I am sorry I'm blanking right now. Is it DePaul or Seton Hall? Seton Hall is who he plays for. Um, he plays for Seton Hall, Isaiah Whitehead, number 15. Outstanding ball player. Look. Every time I turn on Fox Sports 1, which, by the way, is like the big-time promoter of the Big East, good for them because the Big East is a fantastic uh, uh, conference. Not as good as it was three or four years ago, but it's still a fantastic conference. But Isaiah Whitehead is being promoted as like the big – like every time Seton Hall's on, Isaiah Whitehead and the Seton Hall uh, team comes out and wants to dominate against this team's day in the Big East. And you're like – and you're like, what? And then you – and then what I first do when I hear about these guys is I'm like, okay – Clearly, he's the featured player. I'm going to go see where he is on a, on a draft ranking. Dude's not even projected to be drafted this year. How the heck are you going to have this guy projected and, and, and promoted as a face of the Big East pretty much in Seton Hall, and then he's not even predicted to be a draft pick this year? I don't understand that, Andrew, and I don't understand that logic behind that. Because aren't we supposed to be promoting the guys who are the most talented players in college basketball? Do they not think that this guy is going to be a solid NBA basketball player, or do they think he's only a year away? It's interesting to me to hear a guy like this get promoted, and I know Ben Simmons is the best player in college basketball, no doubt about it, no debate. He could jump into the NBA right now and play a game, but like, when it comes to Isaiah Whitehead, look, I've seen this guy play. He's outstanding. What do they see in college basketball that this guy can't do in the NBA? No, I, you know, you brought this up to me yesterday because, I, you know, I've watched him a little bit. I haven't watched him a ton. But I've watched him enough to see, you know, I thought I thought he was an NBA prospect. I mean, the guy's 6'4", 200-pound point guard. He's perfect size, good skills. Um, he has everything you want in, in an NBA player, maybe not a first-rounder, but definitely on a draft board. This guy's not even ranked in the yes. top 25 among sophomores. Uh, and, you know, he uh, – it, it was – and when you go read these, these uh, recruiting websites like uh, – you know, Chad Ford or uh, Draft Express, um, they uh, they all have only good things to say about him. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm yet to see something where they don't have anything good to say, where they're not ecstatic on where he is or how much he's leading this team. But then you go look and he's, you know, ranked 96th 
on the big board. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me either. If somebody out there knows something about it, maybe he's staying for another year for sure, something like that, let us call in and let us know because I, I'm just, it confuses me just as much as it confuses you. And I, it's something I wish uh, that I just had an explanation for because it bugs the hell out of me. I think we'll figure it out more as the college basketball season goes on. Look, we've got about two, two months until we really start getting into like deep conversations about draft boards and players and things like that. We got a lot to talk about in the world of college basketball over the next couple of months until we get the conference tournaments and all that. We got a lot to get to. So we'll see ultimately where he ends up. And if he gets better throughout the year, I wouldn't be shocked if he finally gets into that conversation of a first round draft pick. Cause this guy looks legit to me, as I saw today, NBA, look at the NBA. First of all, wipe away the performances over the weekend. Let's fly through them real quick. Uh, New Year's Eve, there was a ton of games. Obviously, the Pistons had one. Andre Drummond, 50. Uh, in the new wiper-worthy performance scale, 23 and 18 by Andre Drummond, a fifth on the wiper-worthy performance scale. Draymond Green had 57 to 10, 11, 10 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, two steals and two blocks, a triple-double for Draymond Green. But that wasn't the triple-double of the weekend. We'll get to that in a moment. Dwight Howard had one, 21 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, two steals, a 55 on the whiteboard worthy performance scale. Uh, shocking games over the weekend. Uh, I wouldn't say any were on New Year's Eve. Uh, the Warriors barely beat the Rockets, and that was one of the games Dwight Howard had a whiteboard worthy performance in. Obviously, the Pistons beat the, beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the, pa- and the Bucks beat the Pacers. I guess that was a shocking game over the weekend. Uh, DeAndre Jordan had one as well. He had 20 rebounds, 11 points, 20 rebounds, two assists, three blocks. Not quite a big-time whiteboard worthy performance, but, a, but that is a whiteboard worthy performance nonetheless. Russell Westbrook. 36 points, 12 assists, 5 steals, ho-hum, 65 by Russell Westbrook. He, he does that quite often to the point where it becomes regularity. Um, C.J. McCollum had one as well, 32 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 51 on the whiteboard with the performance scale on uh, on the New Year's Eve. And I will get you the top 10 performances of the month tomorrow. Believe me that. We, they will be available tomorrow on episode 43, if you're, or excuse me, episode, yeah, episode 43 for Tuesday, the 5th of January. They will be out for the December performances tomorrow. On New Year's Day, this is what happened. Um, John Wall had a whiteboard with a performance, 54, 24 points, 13 assists, two rebounds, two steals. Hassan Whiteside, 25 points, 19 rebounds, a 53 in the new scale. The new scale took effect as of New Year's Day. I, I put it in on New Year's Eve as well. Uh, the Wizards beat the, beat the Magic uh, 103 to 91. The Magic dropped off the map a little bit from what I thought they would be there. Like Andrew said, they're kind of hitting back to normal and regularity. Uh, the Heat destroyed the Mavericks on New Year's Day. Raptors beat Hornets. Bulls beat the Knicks. Looks like the Bulls have kind of made a little bit more of a comeback, and the 76ers have gotten back to earth as they, as they have lost two games over the weekend. They lost to the Lakers on New Year's Day, 93-84. The Lakers now have seven victories. Look, they're kind of creeping up there and getting a little bit better. Uh, on the second day of, uh, of December, there were quite a bit of wiper worthy performances, but none like Draymond Green's in a big time win over the Nuggets, where Kenneth Fareed got hurt real bad on a play in overtime, where he uh, one of the guys came, Will, I believe it was Will Barton, came down and whacked him in the in the in the neck and hurt him. Will Barton had a wiper worthy performance in that one. By the way, my sixth man of the year so far in the NBA, no debate. Will Barton, 21 points, 12, 13 rebounds, seven assists, two steals off the bench. A whiteboard performance off the bench. You got to give that guy the Sixth Man of the Year award right now. But Draymond Green, probably performance of the year in the. Even if this was edited, it was still near legendary. Draymond Green, 29 points, 17 rebounds, 14 assists, four steals, and 86 on the whiteboard performance scale. Look, 90 is legendary. If he would have had a little bit more on that, a little couple more assists, that would have been a legendary performance. 
And even if we didn't put the new scale in, it would be a 78. That is how ridiculous this triple-double is. Look, people can say all they want about Steph Curry being injured and being out for, you know, the extended amount of time he's been. But look, as of that game, and I don't care what anyone says from here on out, because, oh, Steph Curry, you're a Steph Curry hater. Yes, I am. I'm a Steph Curry hater. And don't get me wrong, I don't like Draymond Green much either, but guess what? you got to give the man his respect. Without Draymond Green in this game, this team doesn't win this ball game, and they don't, they don't be where they're at right now. Look, if you took Draymond Green off that Warrior team, they might be behind the Spurs right now. It's that simple. Draymond Green right now is playing as right behind LeBron, as the second best small forward in the NBA. And that is not a far stretch to say, look, the guy is in MVP conversations around the league right now. He's playing out of his mind. I mean, this guy has already kind of outstretched his capabilities and has already been extending his talent as a player because he is not as talented as he's playing. But when it comes to IQ, when it comes to his ability to get every single bit of athleticism that he has, he is using it, and he is playing to his nth degree maximum capability. This guy is getting every single ounce of talent out of his body to play for this team, and with that, he is helping them win ballgames that they're not supposed to win. They weren't supposed to beat the Nuggets on, on, uh, over the weekend. That wasn't supposed to happen. They weren't supposed to win the game before that against the Rockets, but they got it done because of Draymond Green's ability to extend every single ounce of his capability for this team, getting victories. They're 31-2, and two, not because of Steph Curry scoring the ball, not because of Klay Thompson playing good defense and playing and trying to be the best shooting guard in the NBA, which we'll talk about in a second, but Draymond Green has been the, 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 the set-in-stone corner piece of this team and why they've been successful this year. You cannot sit here and tell me that this guy is not a top-five MVP candidate after last weekend, after this past weekend. Because in my mind, this guy is a top bona fide all-star right now in the NBA with the way he's playing, and he is a legitimate MVP candidate. Andrew, what is your take on Draymond Green and what he did this weekend? No, I, you know, I agree with you 100%. First of all, you're going to get killed by Warriors fans um, because if you call Draymond Green a small forward around them, they lose their freaking mind. Uh, they, Wait, a forward. He's outstanding, though. Yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, they lose their mind. It's weird to watch. It's uncomfortable. Just Warriors fans will go away. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he's top five MVP. Um, right now, my rankings probably go – Steph, LeBron, uh, Draymond uh, as my top three, and, and Draymond's getting close. to I mean, LeBron and Steph are neck and neck. In the voters' eyes, they aren't because they're bored of voting for LeBron, even though he's putting up, you know, unbelievable freaking numbers every day. Uh, Draymond's getting close to both of them. And if he keeps putting up triple-doubles like this, not even in the, in the same caliber he just did, but if he can get six, seven more triple-doubles this year, you know, that's going to start to register with people. And, and I've seen it a lot. A lot of people are with us in this in this MVP talk, but, you know, he's not going to get true respect in the MVP conversation more than likely because of Steph Curry being on his team. But, you know, he can earn that with triple-doubles and, and big games and big stat lines and fancy, you know, uh, show, you know, fancy plays and stuff like three straight threes in a big game, something like that. He needs to stand out, not just with his play, but from a way that will get the voters' attention. And it sucks. I hate that it's like that. It should be just based right. off who the most valued player to his team is, which, you know, right now I don't think Steph Curry is. I think you lose Steph Curry, you lose Draymond Green, I think you're losing maybe a little bit more games than you would be losing Steph Curry than Draymond. 
you know, you it, the the Pistons lose Andre Drummond, they don't win at all. The the Cavs lose lose LeBron, they're a thirty win basketball team at best. Um and yep. they they're they're one in eleven without him since he came back. So, you know, the M V P conversation is really um just they they got rid of the valuable part and they just made it most outstanding player, uh, which is what I think yep. they should change the award name to, um, because that's really what it is and and you know, he's top three. And if you don't have him in the top three, I don't know who you can change him with. I, re- I really don't. Right. One, another guy you can consider as a top guy, and I know you don't want to hear this because they beat the Pistons over the weekend, but the Pacers beat the Pistons. And Paul George had an unbelievable game on Saturday. 32 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, a 59 on the whiteboard worthy performance scale. That guy right there is is in that conversation of top five MVP as well. Look, the Pacers are 19-14 and 14 as, of, uh, as of Saturday. And th- this team is still hanging around and finding ways to, to stay in the conversation in the Eastern Conference. Look, the Eastern Conference as it sits right now, Indiana is the sixth spot. But still, as we speak, between the Bulls and Pistons, it's all separated by two games in the win column. Yeah, it's separated by three games realistically, but, but two games in the win column. And the Pistons are, are what, half game out of a playoff spot. Eastern Conference is still to be debated, but you've got – You've got an entire month of January where you've got separation month ahead of you. Chicago's been playing a little bit better. They've won four in a row as of late. The Cavs have won three in a row as well. Uh, clearly, the uh, the Orlando Magic have kind of come back to earth. They're the seventh seed. Obviously, they lost over the weekend. They got destroyed by the mat by the by the Cavs. That that litmus test was not proven worthy as the Cavs destroyed the Magic, uh, one hundred four to seventy nine. Magic just did not come out and play well. The Cavs destroyed them in that one. Um, Anthony Davis getting a wipe worthy performance, beating the Mavericks. Uh, he had 31 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, that in, in an adjusted, a new adjusted wipe worthy performance scale, which is I think is perfect. Anthony Davis had a 52 in that one. Um, and also, like I said, the Pacers beat the Pistons. Um, and you had Kevin Durant against uh, against the Thunder. He had a wipe worthy performance. 29 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks, two assists, a 53 there. Rajon Rondo, 15 points, 15 assists, and six rebounds in a blowout city performance. The Kings destroy the Suns. This is all. This is all in regulation, by the way. Think about this: the Kings scored 83 points in the second half against the Suns. You talk about defensive, just just giving up. The the Kings dominated in the second half, 142. To 119. That score kind of just throws back to the old school NBA fan of like the early 90s when teams are scoring 129, 130 points a game in uh, in uh, ball games on a regular basis. That's kind of what we were seeing in that one. Uh, the Nets beat the Celtics. Unfortunately, the Celtics get, can't, can't quite get it done. Brooke Lopez wipe over the performance, 30 points, 13 rebounds, and a couple of assists there as the Nets get the victory, 100 to 97. And the game, and the, the performance of the night last night, yesterday. Uh, on a Sunday, a five-game Sunday on a Sunday. Uh, the the Knicks, 111-97 to 97 over the Hawks. They get the victory there. But the Bulls beat the Raptors, and this was a game where now you can make the debate that this guy is – I don't even think it's a debate. In my opinion, in my world, which is very small, uh, in my opinion, in my world, Jimmy Butler is the best shooting guard in the NBA. He proved it last night. 42 points, four rebounds, and five assists. And if I would have told you, that Jimmy Butler would have scored 40 points in the second half by himself to beat this Raptors ball club, which, by the way, has DeMar DeRozan, who can score with the best of them, and Kyle Lowry, who's also an all-star backcourt type of player. 
you would have called me crazy, and they would have needed every single bit of that 40 points to get the victory, and they did. They did not play well in the first half of that ballgame, the Bulls did, and Jimmy Butler willed this team to victory, scoring 40 of his 42 in the second half, breaking Michael Jordan's record of the Bulls, the Bulls record of the most points scored in the second half in Bulls history. The last time they had 40, they had 39 plus points in a, in a first and a half was when Michael Jordan scored 39 points against the Bucks back in 1989. Think about that. Well, that was when MJ was in his prime. Like MJ was like, MJ was the, the scary uh, space jam version. He was, he was scary back then. Like he could score 35 a game. And he could play a vicious defense on you. That was the scary Michael Jordan. That was when the bad boys were beating Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan was scary offensively back then, which gives you an idea of how good the bad boys were back then on defense. But anyway, I digress. Jimmy Butler is the best shooting guard in the NBA, in my opinion, after this game. What do you think, Andrew? I, I This conversation bugs me because, like, I'm one of those people who I, I, I think I'd rather have Jimmy Butler on my team, but – do I think the Bulls are better if they have James Harden on their team? Yeah, I, I do. And do I think the Rockets are worse if you switch James Harden with, with Jimmy Butler? Uh, yeah. So I guess in my eyes, James Harden is still the best. I think James Harden, J- uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, uh, as, right now are the best three. I think DeMar DeRozan, the way he's been playing, has surpassed uh, Clay Thompson. Obviously, Clay Thompson, yeah. when he gets hot, is is one of the best players in the league. But he he's so not he's not hot so much of the time. Streaky. That I, I Streaky. think the way Demar Derozan playing right now is he he's the third best. But I think I think Butler and Harden are are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. I, I don't think yeah. I don't think it's really close. And I do think there's an argument to be made. I might be crazy for thinking the Bulls are better and the the Rockets are worse with and without, but you got to think just the impact Harden can have on a game. He controls the pace 100%. Nobody controls the pace like him. Maybe John Wall, but even then, no, you know, it's sometimes that gets out of control. Harden is always under control, always controls the pace, and always, you know, on offense at least, will make the right decision 90% of the time. Sometimes he'll take stupid shots, but 90% of the time he's making the right decision. Uh, I mean, if you look at last year, this guy willed that team to a two-seed in the West with the most injured roster in the entire NBA. Uh, so it, it's a rough argument. I don't think you're wrong going either way, but I'd still go with Harden, but but a lot less now than it was prior. Chris, you there? All right, looks like we lost Chris here. Um, I'm sure he'll be back on in a second. My computer's still going down, so I won't be able to see when he's back on, but I'm sure we'll hear him. Uh, we got, what, six minutes left here. Chris might go on after that. I have to get back to work here pretty soon. So, uh, other things, obviously, obviously, are you, are you back, Chris? Okay, I thought I heard him. Uh, you know, obviously that second-half performance by Jimmy Butler was unreal, but the the problem I really saw in that game was DeMar DeRozan, uh, didn't take a shot until there was 20 it's seconds right. left in the second. Oh, oh, oh! We got, we got. I'm back. Uh, I'm back in the building. Oh, there. Uh, oh. It happens around here. It happens around here when uh, when it gets cold. The uh, the the cell towers get all messed up, and when it rains, it just it just doesn't work. It's all right. uh, so, uh, yeah, Ollie, you're correct on that uh, statement. It does it, it does rain in here, and it does happen. But but I wanted to get I wanted to say something, and I was just about to say it right before you said it. I don't know what you're saying. You were saying something about. Uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler, and, and I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I wanted to say this. 
about the Chicago Bulls. I think the debate will be figured out on March 5th when the Bulls go to Houston, or excuse me, they, they play in Chicago on ABC on Saturday, uh, 5.30, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. That'll be in, in about, that's literally two months from today, pretty much two months from today. Houston and Chicago will play one another, and if both guys are healthy and Jimmy Butler and, 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 uh, and uh, um, James Harden, we will see really who the better player is at that point, and we'll know ultimately on that day. Because around that time is when you start to figure out, okay, Who's who, what's what, what's happening, who's going to make what push in the playoffs. We'll see at that time, March 5th, that's when both those players will play. And I think that will be the ultimate determining factor of who the better player is uh, playing one another. I can agree with you the fact that James Harden's the best shooting guard in the Western Conference, no debate, I think, in that one. But in the Eastern Conference, man, Jimmy Butler clearly is on that same page. Other games from Sunday, real quick, uh, the Heat beat the Wizards 97-75. Uh, they're 20 and 13 now. The Wizards, they, they keep playing back and forth. They keep playing inconsistent basketball, and it's frustrating because they're so good. Uh, they're so good the way they've been playing uh, as of late. The Wizards have been, especially certain players on that team. Again, I forgot to mention uh, Jimmy Butler had a wiper-worthy performance in that game uh, when he scored his 42. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he had 42 points, five assists, four rebounds, a 56 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. And the, and the Trailblazers getting a victory over the Nuggets. They're now 15-21. and 21. They win 112-106. to 106. And, again, C.J. McCollum, 25 points and seven assists. I'm telling you, man, these awards just keep filling themselves out. C.J. McCollum right now is the most improved player in the NBA. You can't debate that. Will Barton, sixth man of the year, you can't debate that. Uh, MVP of the league right now you can say is LeBron James because of how – just weird that team's been. LeBron James is MVP of the league. Uh, when you talk about guys, you know, first team All NBA. I mean, clearly it's LeBron James. Clearly it's Steph Curry. Clearly uh, it's a guy. I guess it's not clear yet, but we've got some clear guys coming out. You can start to see some things starting to take place, and you can really start to see something. Maybe Jimmy Butler's the the first team All NBA for shooting guard. Maybe it's James Harden. It's one of the two. It's one of the other. We'll figure it out later. But a lot of things are starting to fill themselves out, and this weekend kind of proved. DeRozan? Drummond. He'll give you that center. Give boogie cut. Yeah. You can make the case Andre Drummond is a guy who could be in that position as the number one center in the league. I think I – think, because the thing is, is people still have this opinion that Drummond isn't as good as he was. Oh, give, this is the thing I tell people. This is the thing I tell people, Andrew, before you get you go off, because I know you're thinking about it. But um, here's the thing I tell people. You haven't been watching basketball like the generic sports fan. You haven't been watching basketball. But I, and it's funny because I tell people this like at work or just in general in conversation, and I'm like, look, look, Andre Drummond is a top three center right now in the NBA. Whether you like it or not, he's a top three center. He might even be the best center in the NBA. It's debatable. It is. And people look at me and they're like, what kind of drugs are you on? And I'm like, no, go, go watch. Go watch. It's not crazy. The guy has improved from the free throw line. The guy has got way more moves in his bags on the offensive side of the board than, than he did before. Uh, the guy is way more efficient as a shooter now than he was before, and he's the best rebounder in the game. How is he not as a top three center in the NBA? How is he not? And people are like, uh, I got to watch him. And I'm like, okay, well, then don't, don't. Here's the thing I try to tell people. Don't argue with the master. Like, if you're going to argue with me, argue with me about debatable things, but don't argue with me about things that are facts. Andre Drummond is a top three center in the NBA, and he could easily well be – in that, and this was before the season. Remember before the season, Andrew, we talked about our top three centers, and you threw Andre Drummond as a top three center, and I was looking at you like, man, he's got to improve a lot. He has. I've come around, 
And I think he's a top three center. It's not even debatable. And so when people, when I'm talking about like overall perspective and conversations about what this guy is, he still has to win over. And that's not in, Chicago, in, in Detroit because clearly in Detroit, as you know, and being a, being a Pistons fan, he has been won over in Detroit. There's no debate. But nationally, when I, talk, when I talk to people, when I talk to people, and this is crazy, Andrew, and I get it. Nationally, people still look at Andre Drummond and they're like, there's some holes missing there. But when I watch him, I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no holes. This is the best center. This is, this is the best center in the Eastern Conference. There's no debate. He is the best center in the Eastern Conference. No debate. Now, in the Western Conference, like you said, Boogie Cousins, um, potentially a guy. Uh, and, again, maybe even top two are Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Okay. Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, and Andre Drummond. They're all in the same conversation. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe De- uh, Dwight Howard on a good day. You know, those are the four, three guys right there that you can make the case are top three, and that's where you make the debate. But then people look at me and they're like, "You're throwing Andre Drummond in there," and I'm like, "Holy, crap. like, what are you watching? Are you are you just sitting at home watching like the Life Network? What are you doing? Like, Andre Drummond is an, is amazing, and." So I'm on that same bandwagon with you, and it's not just because you're on my show. It's just the fact. I've been watching him. He's incredible. He is, it's funny because when, when, when DeAndre Jordan came into the league uh, this year with his new contract and all that, people expected him to be a top-five center. Guy's not even probably a top-five center right now. He's not playing as a top-five center. He's still outstanding rebounding. He's still good. But he, compared to Andre, DeAndre, here's the thing, two years ago, you can make the case that DeAndre Jordan was a better center than Andre Drummond. You could make the debate. But now? Oh, he- hell no. Hell no. It is leaps and bounds. And over these last couple of years, Andre Drummond has made leaps and bounds more than I think any other center in the NBA. Two years ago, you could look at Boogie Cousins and be like, that guy's getting better. He's doing good. He's making improvements. But he's not winning. And then obviously Anthony Davis was a baby two years ago. I mean, and I'm not going to sit here and knock Anthony Davis because his team's been hurt, but he's not winning. Andre Drummond's winning. And he's, granted, it's the Eastern Conference, but he's winning. And he's doing it at a clip that is, that is, I will debate, is MVP level. He is. So you can almost make the case that he is the best center in the NBA. And it's debatable because he's not in the West, but it's, that's where the debate comes. But it's crazy to hear other people make their debate about how Andre Drummond isn't that good because they haven't, quote-unquote, been watching him. Look. I've been watching the NBA every night for the last two months. I know what I'm talking about. You have too. We've both been watching. We know what we're watching. Andre Drummond's a freak. And I agree with you a whole 100% on that. But it's weird because people don't see it yet. And so when it comes to these, these awards coming through in the NBA, they're starting to really shape themselves out. And Andre Drummond is, is starting to come in and be really one of the faces of his position. And I can guarantee you one thing. If there's one guy that's going to be his fan once he starts being on TV more often on on big-time television sets, Shaquille O'Neal. There's one guy in the NBA as a former center and who loves the pure center mentality. Andre Drummond is probably the most pure center we have left in the NBA. And that's, that's a fact. The guy can go out and go 20 and 20 a night. The guy has the, has the mentality to dominate you on the block. He has the mentality to dish it out from time to time and grab a board and, and stride the floor and, and do things. He's really the last one we got right now. I mean, D- Dwight Howard is still good, but, I mean, what's your take on all that, Andrew? Well, just just think about this. And one of the arguments I get a lot on Twitter is that Tom Whiteside's better, and I, I think that's a bunch of nonsense. And after we do this, that's actually, crazy. i got to get going. But no problem. Tom Whiteside's 26. 
people don't realize Andre Drummond's twenty two years old. Just turned twenty two yeah. years old. I mean right. I mean he's a base and, and if you see how much he's developed offensively, you know, his free throw shooting percentage isn't where you want it to be. It's still at thirty eight percent. But this guy, when you watch him at the line compared to other years, he just looks better. And and that is something. You know, that that means there's something there that can click. And I mean this guy if this guy was shooting seventy percent from the line, he'd be averaging twenty twenty three points a game or something like that. You know, it's he he I think he's third in the league in free throw attempts because he's getting hacked on Andre all the time. But he he's twenty two. He's already developed one of the better post hooks in the game. Uh, he, he's getting you know he doesn't have the most uh it doesn't have the biggest variety of offensive moves, but the ones he does have, he's mastering. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. Don't be good at a lot of things, you know, be good at a lot of things, but be great at one. And then move on. Once you're great at one, become at another. And that's what he's doing. Defense is much improved. His footwork, I mean, I I would like to see him get more blocks, but his presence is there. And and these guys know that because he will get the blocks if they're there. Um, His footwork has got much better. He doesn't get lost on defense nearly as much. He's he might be a third, you know, if his block numbers were up, because unfortunately that's all the, the people look at when making all-NBA defenders for centers. If you were actually watching him play, he he could be a second-team all-defense. All but, again, you got to compete. Hassan Whiteside's probably number one, which is wrong, because he gets lost on defense all the time. DeAndre Jordan's yes. up there, you know. But, but I mean, this this guy, he he affects the game. 18 and 16. 18 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks two steals a game at 22 years old. He has a steal right. in like 30 consecutive games, okay? This guy has the hands of a guard. He we, he crossed over Chris Paul so hard, the guy fell on his shoulder. Like, it's a lot easier to yeah. fall backwards. When you fall on your side, that means your feet got tangled so – he didn't even catch himself. He just flopped down on the ground. It looked like he was going to die he hit so hard. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, this guy has the ability, uh, unlike anybody – what Shaq wants to see out of the center is 28 and 14. If there is one player in the league right now who eventually can reach 28 and 14, it's Andre Drummond. Andre. And, and I don't think there's a yeah. state that anybody's close. Uh, I, I guess Boogie Cousins is there, obviously. Boogie Cousins is probably number one. But 28 and 14 out of Andre Drummond is, is something. When he's 25, 26, has a, has a post game like, a, like a, a, a great post game, which it looks like he's on his way to having probably around 50% free throw shooting. Uh, you know, he may or may not have a mid-range game in his career. I, You know, he's not a guy who I really mind if he does develop one or not because he's so good at what he does, he doesn't need it. Um, so I'd, I'd almost rather him just focus on the post game. 28 and 14 is not out of his reach for his potential. And I don't, people under undervalue that potential. I saw a couple of tweets. Carl Anthony Town hit two mid-range jumpers. And people were saying Carl Anthony Towns is already better than Andre Drummond, and I just wanted to punch these Stop. people. Say, like, just because you can hit a jumper doesn't mean you're better than somebody. Just because you look smoother on a basketball court doesn't mean you're better than somebody. I mean, it, Allen, I, Allen Iverson was one of those players who didn't look smooth, didn't you know, didn't look good most of the time. Uh, but but you know he he's. He's, in my opinion, not by far, but he's better than Steve Nash, who was the most smooth player in the NBA history. Uh, you know, Steph Curry is a player who looks smooth all the time. He's still not better than LeBron, who doesn't look smooth all the time. I mean, it, it, it's something that 
it, it seems like it, that that whole idea that the media has portrayed uh, that you have to be this mid-range jumping center now makes you better needs to go. Andre Drummond is the second best center in basketball behind Boogie Cousins, and that's due to change any any year. You know what I want to tell you before you go, Andrew? Three years from now, 2018-2019 season, when the Pistons and Pelicans or whoever, whatever team these two guys are on, when Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis play one another, it is going to be one of the more physical matchups we're ever going to see. Two guys at 25 at the beginning of their prime, we're going to be seeing probably two of the greatest big men ever at their positions, Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. It will be a sight to see three years from now. Now, over the years, obviously, we'll see more of it. But, I mean, in three years, you're talking about two of the best big men in the league, and Boogie Cousins will be there too. But, dear Lord, those two guys are unbelievable. Andrew, I know you got to get to work, man. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. No, no doubt about it. I'm going to wrap up the show here in just a moment, all right? And real quick, before I go, I just want everybody to realize, Anthony Davis being a power forward, uh, you know, they knew that when he was in the draft. The Pelicans were one tick away from having Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. They picked 10th. The Pistons picked 9th. The Pelicans were going to pick Andre Drummond if the Pistons didn't. And thank God the Pistons did, man. But other than that, I gotta go. Uh, I'll be, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Chris takes away and peace. All right, Andrew, have a great day, man. All right, yeah, we got a couple other things to wrap up here on the show uh, before we get out of here. Um, we we got we got some things that happened over the weekend as well in the world of basketball. Uh, Chris Asprosingas and Carl Anthony Towns have won Rookie of the Month in the Eastern and Western Conference. Obviously, Chris Asprosingas for the Knicks and Carl uh, Anthony Towns for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Players of the Week, who do I think will win Player of the Week over New Year's Week? Um, I think in the Western Conference it's going to be uh, Draymond Green, and I think in the Eastern Conference it's going to be Jimmy Butler. Just from the standpoint of Jimmy Butler has been playing outstanding basketball, he's been playing out of his mind. I think those, I think those are who are going to be Players of the Week here uh, for last week. Players of the Month in December of 2015 – Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm honestly going to give it to Draymond Green. And reason being the guy has put himself on the map as an MVP player, and he's kept the Warriors at 31-2 and two since Steph Curry left the team. And he's had so many triple-doubles this month, it's been out of control. Um, and I think Eastern Conference Player of the Month in December, that's tough. That is really tough. I'm going to give it to LeBron James. LeBron James has been out of his mind good. If not, give it to Paul George because he's also been outstanding. So those are your players of the month of my prediction and players of the week over the last week. Uh, Whiteboard with the performances over the weekend. I mentioned those already. Other things of note to mention that happened over the weekend before we get to our preview of tonight's games. Jarrett Jack is now out with an ACL injury. He's out for the year. I mean, gosh, talk about a guy who's been playing great basketball as of the last couple of years. Uh, coming into Georgia Tech about 10 years ago, the guy's been playing outstanding basketball. Hopefully he can come back next year and play better than ever. Uh, obviously the Nets will miss him sorely. Uh, Joey Crawford, Long-time official in the NBA is going to retire after this year. Look, as a Spurs fan, uh, as a NBA aficionado, I don't have a problem with Joey Crawford and what he does at his job. The only issue I have about Joey Crawford is, is that he constantly wants to be put in the spotlight. And, and that's the problem. He always wants to be noticed somehow in the spotlight. He always wants to make things about him at some point in games. Now, sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's major. Most of the things we mention are major about him and him being noticed. But as of late, he's throughout his whole career, there's a reason why he's been in the league for almost 40 years. 
the guy is an unbelievable official. He is always officiating big-time games for a reason because he's, he's reasonable with the players, he understands what's happening, and he understands why, why, he, why certain things are happening or why certain events are occurring. And that's why Joey Crawford has always been an official in big-time games because he's reasonable and he's understanding. The league's going to miss him. Uh, clearly, they have better officials coming up, but he will be missed because he's been there for some of the greatest moments in NBA history over the last 40 years. Since the 80s, the guy has been consistently – he's consistently seen the best players of all time. I mean, think about it. He's been in the NBA since the late 70s, 80s, 90s, the, the last decade, middle of this decade. The guy's, the guy's seen a lot of unbelievable players in his time. And believe me, that would be an unbelievable question to ask him after he retires – who was the best fit player you officiated? Who was the most talented, gifted player you officiated? Name your top five. And that would be an unbelievable conversation. That would be something I'd want to see on TNT um, over, over this next year in 2016. If there's a bucket list of things I want to see happen in 2016, it's to hear a Joey Crawford interview and hear who he said is the players he officiated throughout his career because that would be an amazing thing to see. Um, some other random news that happened over the weekend. Brandon Jennings apparently is – could be going to New York. I don't understand how that will happen, considering Brandon Jennings is still a hot commodity in Detroit. I want to talk to Andrew about that, but that was a really, really interesting thing that I read over the weekend and something he mentioned to me as well um, that I saw creeping up on Twitter and other news outlets. It was a really, really weird conversation to see a guy like Brandon Jennings potentially could be going to a team like the Knicks. I don't understand how they would make the trade, and I don't understand how it would work overall. So that's another interesting thing from that perspective. Steve Kerr could be coming back here in the next uh, month or excuse me, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully he's back soon because I think it's getting to more and more apparent that the adjustments being made on the Warriors is making them a lot more beatable as time goes on. They're 31-2. and two. They're fine. They're going to go to the postseason and potentially be the number one seed, uh, if not the number two seed if the Spurs catch them. But they have been playing outstanding basketball. They're going to be fine. I think they're going to do okay. But Steve Kerr should be back soon. I heard apparently he could have been back last weekend. He might be back this upcoming week within the next week or so. Let's preview tonight's games and uh, let's preview what's going on in the world of basketball. Uh, the epic, the, excuse me, the elite basketball league is a league dedicated to uh, the community and players ready to get back into uh, basketball shape and, and try to get back to their dream of playing in a uh, developmental leagues or uh, the NBA. And uh, they're a league that uh, I've been slowly being, fo being followed by, on Twitter and they asked me to help promote their, their, their brand and what they do. Um, and they've had their league, their league started at the beginning of, of November and uh, they got things kicked back off here uh, starting this week. Within the next couple of weeks, they have the legends at the Rippers on January 16th. Uh, they will be starting back up uh, here shortly in the next couple of weeks. And we'll preview that for them uh, when right before the game starts on the 16th of January, which will be a couple of weeks from today on a Saturday, on the 16th of Saturday. We'll preview that for them um, sometime throughout that week. So that is the epic, or excuse, excuse me, elite basketball league. Uh, they're, uh, they're played across the country. They're a rather small league, but they're more dedicated to helping communities and getting basketball players set up. And again, I mentioned in the world of college basketball, we got about five, eh, about five minutes left in the show, and then we'll get on out of here and uh, we'll get back to our normal lives. Uh, Oklahoma at Kansas tonight. If you're not watching this ball game, I don't know what you're doing with your life. This is game of the night. Big 12 matchup. Two teams ready to duke it out in the Big 12. Uh, playing an unbelievable basketball. 24-1 and one between the two teams. Kansas is favored by 7.5. 
I would take Oklahoma in this one. The way they played against Iowa State, I think Oklahoma will keep this game close. I don't know who's going to win, but I definitely can tell you this will be a closer game than seven and a half. Take Oklahoma plus the seven and a half. They're going to keep it close. They might even win the game. That's the game of the night tonight in the world of college basketball. Also, a ton of college basketball conference play is in full effect. If you're going to go watch games, go watch them soon because this is where you're going to see some of the best competition on a night-in and night-out basis in the world of college basketball. And in the world of the NBA tonight, I believe we have quite a bit of ball games going on. We have, we have how many games have we got tonight? We got one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten games on in the world of NBA basketball tonight. Raptors at Cavaliers. Again, we're, we're getting towards the second half of the season. The second half show will be on the 15th of January here on the Hooper's Log. We'll be doing that on a Friday on the 15th. We'll start it at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and that will be the time we have our regular shows from here on out. At 1 p.m. Eastern, we'll be starting on Friday the 15th of January, and that will be the halfway point of the NBA season. We're getting near it. Raptors play at the Cavs tonight. Big-time matchup there. The Cavs are favored by eight. I would take the Raptors plus the eight in that one. I think they'll keep it closer than we think. I don't know if they'll, if they'll win, per se, but I definitely know they'll keep it closer than what, this, than what the line is saying in Vegas. Timberwolves and 76ers. Timberwolves are favored by six and a half. Take the six and a half. Look at the victory there. They should get the win there. Uh, the, the 76ers have kind of come back to earth. As of late, they've lost two in a row since they went 2-1 and one in their stretch. Celtics and Nets, they just played one another. The Celtics are going to play them again. I think the Celtics come out and get the victory. They're favored by 7.5. Take the Celtics on the 7.5. They'll go to 19-15 and 15 after tonight, especially with the Nets losing a guy in Jared Jack. That should help them get the victory there in Brooklyn. Magic and Pistons, again, another big-time matchup. Andre Drummond, I think, will be too much for this one. Detroit's favored by 4.5. Take them in the 4.5. They'll get the victory. It should be a close game, but I think Detroit will pull away late and get the victory there. And the Magic, again, if they get the victory – this is a big-time game from the bottom of the Eastern Conference perspective because if the Magic can get the victory, they'll go to 20-15. and 15. The Pistons will drop to 18-17. and 17. They'll officially be about two, one, one-and-a-half games out of a, play, a playoff spot, depending upon what happens between the, the, the Celtics and the Nets tonight. That's a big game. That's a big game and a big litmus test for both teams and see where they're going to go from here on out. But I think the Pistons are a better team, and they'll go to 19-16, and 16 and they're favored by four-and-a-half, take the four-and-a-half. Pacers and Heat, classic matchup, NBA TV on tonight on NBA TV. Two teams that have played – in back-to-back Eastern Conference uh, championships a couple of years ago. Pacers are the underdog in this one. They should be favored because they're the better team, in my opinion. Miami is favored by two-and-a-half. Take the, take the plus two-and-a-half. I think the Pacers will win outright. Paul George has been playing out of his mind. I don't know who's going to guard him on the Heat. They're going to get the victory there. Spurs and Bucks. Spurs are favored by 10 points. I don't think the Spurs will win by that much. I'm still going to take the, the minus 10 they're gonna, they are going to win. They're going to win by that much. The Spurs are going to dominate the Bucks tonight. They have been playing unbelievable basketball. And if LaMarcus Aldridge, who played outstanding last night, really the first outstanding matchup by LaMarcus Aldridge all year long, if he plays that way uh, in this one tonight against the Bucks in Milwaukee, I'm telling you this Spurs team is going to almost become unbeatable. Players of the week in the NBA. Brooke Lopez getting player of the week in the Eastern Conference and Draymond Green in the Western Conference. I was close. I was close in that one. I almost got it, but uh, Draymond Green gets it in the Western Conference, and in the Eastern Conference, Brooke Lopez gets it for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Kings and Thunder. Thunder are favored by 7.5. Take the 7.5. The Thunder are going to destroy the Kings tonight. They got it all rolling for them as of late. Russell Westbrook's been playing out of his mind. 25.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, and 9.3 assists a game. He's been playing out of his gourd. Rockets and Jazz. Jazz are still hurt and not playing well. 
the Jazz are 15 and 17 for a reason, but the Rockets are also 16 and 19 for a reason. They're still not playing too good. I would take the Rockets in this one. They're favored by two and a half, take the two and a half. They'll get the victory there. Grizzlies and Trailblazers. Uh, the Grizzlies are uh, two and a half favorites. The Trailblazers have been playing outstanding, and if Damian Lillard can come out and play, which I'm seeing he's probable for tonight, he's missed the last seven games due to plantar fasciitis, but even if he doesn't play, T.J. McCollum's been carrying this team and playing well. The second game on NBA TV after the Pacers and Heat, Grizzlies and Trailblazers. Trailblazers are underdogs by two. And a, by two. I would take the Trailblazers by two. I think they're going to win this game tonight. I think they'll be the, they, they should be the team to pick. If you're going to pick a game, this would be the game to pick. And then Hornets and Warriors. Warriors are favored by nine and a half. I think the Hornets will keep it closer, and I think the Hornets might actually win this ballgame. Take the plus nine and a half for the Hornets and take them there, and I think they'll keep it close. The Warriors might lose their third game tonight. Well, that'll be that's the end of the show. Got about a minute left in the show. Let me get to the closing music. Episode 42 is in the books. Episode 42 in the books tonight. Episode 43 is tomorrow on Tuesday. Same time, same place. 11 p.m. Excuse me, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Hoopers Log. Happy 2016 to you, and hopefully all you, you can do all you can do this year in 2016 we're here for you at the hoopers log our times will change in a couple of weeks but as of now it is still on at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern here on clns radio in the FanDuel studios my name is Timo buckets chris morrison andrew norris was here with us earlier thank you again for listening have a fantastic day and call in next time if you feel free to 323-642-1558 have a great day everybody enjoy the new year